welcome to Return of the Hack. I'm your host, Neil Langridge, and I'm joined today by Kuno Agawa, founder and CEO of one of the most disruptive startups in cybersecurity, Dope. We discuss his meteoric rise, being influenced by music and fashion, and how Dope are taking a unique approach to the cybersecurity industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Return of the Hack podcast from E92+. Plus. I'm your host, Neil Langridge, and I'm absolutely delighted today uh, to be joined by Kunal Agarwal, who's the CEO of Dope Security. Hi, Kunal. Thanks very much for joining us. Neil, it's great to talk to you, especially uh, we're in different sides of the world, but, you know, somehow it's uh, easy to connect, right? Exactly. That's why we delight to be able to do these things now. So um, obviously, kind of, uh, Adobe got a kind of really super interesting story, creating a lot of noise in the market uh, right now. Lots and lots of buzz. But I think what I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit, because um, obviously you founded the organisation and you've got kind of quite an interesting kind of little backstory. So um, you know, and especially it's always nice to talk to people who kind of founded. Uh, an organization in cybersecurity. So if you can kind of give us a little bit of background, kind of, you know, what drove you to, to, to start the organization and kind of where that where that kind of interest in cybersecurity came from? Yeah, so I was at really big companies for a, for a while, right? So Symantec and Forcepoint, um, almost 10 years. And that's where I learned all the t- tips and tricks of the trade, right? I, I always like to say that like I went to university at Berkeley, but then I went to uh, postgraduate studies at Symantec because you learn yes. so much. And I mean, I think when you're there, you, you, you do learn a lot, but then there is this, 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 this part where you're kind of a custodian for an old legacy product, right? Yeah. And to make it better and really transform it, you know, sometimes it's possible, but other times, and we did do it a couple of times, but the other times, you know, it's just like, maybe you just have to turn the entire thing up on a tent and make things like different. And that's what they call as disruption. Um, and for me, uh, the biggest part was like, like when I saw this issue of, of what we, we play in, it's like a lack of passion in fixing these problems. Right. Like, and I personally am the kind of person I want to demo you the product that makes me excited because we all work so hard on it. Everyone in the team loves to demo the product because we worked really hard on it. We want to show it off. I didn't get that feeling sometimes. And so that was the thing we wanted to change. Is that, is that kind of one of the ironic things in a way about the cybersecurity industry that, that, that the adversaries, the bad guys that we face, you know, we, and we call, you know, the term hacking, which is probably not always a good term because hacking doesn't mean bad. Hacking can be good. And we, we might touch yeah. on that in a little bit. But, you know, kind of hacking is all about being disruptive and breaking stuff. But actually, sometimes in cyber, we do get kind of set on that path that's been defined by legacy solutions and it can be a little bit difficult to be kind of truly disruptive in the way that you know the our adversaries are being yeah i mean these organizations are pretty can be very executive e um yeah. which sucks right i mean like and i say executive e because it's like i can't tell you the amount of times where people in certain like positions wouldn't be able to tell the products apart right they wouldn't know how to use them and is it their fault I don't know, right? But I can tell you, like, if you're, I don't know, the CEO of a race car driving company or a car company, or if you're, you know, you're inside of fashion or design or you're making clothing and whatnot, they, those people usually have a good background in those things. And they yeah. can understand it and show it and do those things. So it's a little bit of a, a different story. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's my, uh, that's at least my, uh, my thought process on it is that everyone should be able to use and showcase what you're working on. 
Yeah, and having that understanding, I think we've all been kind of brought up as being users of, of, of technology, but not necessarily always understanding how things work. And I think that's one of the good things that's kind of probably happening in education. You know, certainly with my kids, you know, they, they're being taught coding. I never got taught that. I got, I got yeah. taught how to do stuff, but I never understood, you know, kind of before I started working in cyber, how any of it works. So I think, is, is that a good thing with more, more people in the industry understanding actually how, how everything all kind of fits together rather than just being kind of passive users or consumers? I mean, I think there are a lot of people that used to do exactly that, right? Like, I mean, if you think about a company, there will be a large amount of engineers in that yeah. company. The question is that are the people at the bottom also as educated, you know, and they, their ideas are able to flow through and be understood by people at the top. And sometimes it doesn't happen, right? And it shows, right? It shows so well. Like, I mean, go and look at any product out there and try and get using it. The user experience is terrible. Why is that? It's not because like the designer is particularly bad at designing things. It's because the PM is not necessarily drawing out the drawings of how this should look like in collaboration with an engineer and a designer. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that background needs to be there. And that is... And, and maybe it's not that easy to find, which is why we have our secret superpower in dope security yeah. is to make beautiful user experiences. Yeah, and I think that kind of engineering philosophy is is hard. I mean, you know, kind of, I think there's, it, it is mythologized a bit within technology, you know, going all the way back to HP starting in, you know, starting in that garage that everybody remembers. And But I think it's, it's nice to be able to hark back to that, but it's nice to be able to kind of try and retain that philosophy as much as you can of being being builders. Yeah, I mean, we have very humble beginnings here, right? Like, all of us, uh, we're, we're about 31 people now, but we all came from Symantec or Forcepoint. And we were the people that were really driving and really trying to make a difference and really, really there. We were very passionate. And so much about dope is passion. And I tell people that, like, we say it all the time here in California, and we wanted to bring a little bit of that California vibe and energy out yep. into the world. And that's why we yep. call it as dope security. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a it's a, it's a great name. It really is. So, but, but where did the where did this passion for for yourself, you know, kind of on a personal level, where did that that come from in terms of you know, kind of was it for, you know from from an early age in terms of wanting to kind of you know have this getting in getting into tech and getting into cyber? Yeah, I mean, so I'm born and raised in San Jose in Silicon Valley. We used to call it right. I mean, we still call yeah. it that. But when you're here you are surrounded by these companies and giants and you're inspired by them but it's not just uh companies and technology like if you go an hour plane ride south you're in la where like people make you know insanely cool you know riveting movies and films and cinema and it's like music all these things are made in this area and I guess you're just surrounded by these things to the point where you're like, hey, I want to do the best I possibly can. And not just that, I want to be the best at what I do. And I want to be proud of what I do. And that's so much uh, rooted in, in, in these kinds of industries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and kind of, and that influence of kind of, as you say, kind of fashion and music and what you get, kind of what you're into personally, I think it, it's nice in terms of, is, is that important for you, bringing in those external influences beyond just the, you know, just beyond the, the technology and the business itself? Yeah, it's, it's critical, right? Because, so my experience, I would say I had two passions as a kid, right? One was cybersecurity and hacking. And the yeah. second one is, uh, is shooting movies and videos and things yeah. like that. I mean, you can see I have a, a nice little red camera dead back here, but it's like a cinema grade camera, right? But you, we use that in the product. I mean, we shoot all these videos using this camera. 
um, that we put out. So it's nice. I mean, I think like having that blend and ability to do that and um, putting it under a banner that's called, like, as we said, dope. When we were building the yeah. logo, the logo was very simple. It was like the, the brief to Ashley, who, who, who now is at least product marketing at Dope. She, uh, I told her, I said, hey, Dope Security, she'll look like a fashion brand, a mixture between Louis Vuitton and Balenciaga and put it together and go get yeah. on your way. <laughs> no, that, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, that's you know, exciting, having that kind of refreshing and, and it builds a story that obviously people can kind of, you know, relate to in a, in a, in a, in a kind of different way. Now, it'd be interesting to kind of touch on, because you mentioned the interest in cyber, you know, kind of hacking and stuff as a, as as a kid, um, it, you know, it's something you kind of got into a little bit earlier age than 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 most people, I'd suggest. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that comes born out of out of out of exploration, right, and discovery. Yeah. Like for me, is you know, I I always tell it's like, hey, like my parents would get us one Game Boy game, but I you know I was like, hey, how can you play more? And so you're thinking, yeah. oh, well, how do you like extract the ROM from a Game Boy game, put it into an emulator that somebody else has built, take it all together? I mean, that's an exploration, right? Oh, this even exists. And so like, I remember it was like, probably like, must have been eight or nine when you take a floppy disk, so, oh, you can put it onto here and then you can give it to someone. You know, all those small things that you explore and keep doing and doing and doing, and that's the fundamental foundation of like, of, of all learning, right, is exploration. Yeah. Um, and it was like a treasure, treasure trove of knowledge out there. I got into a little bit of trouble a couple of times, but, uh, but we got out of it uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I kind of want to touch in terms of your cultural references, um, kind of because one of my favourite kind of you know, films, kind of growing up in a touch point now was War Games, which you know if you're going to talk about kind of kids getting into trouble hacking, hacking into you know the, the film of someone hacking into the American military system and potentially starting World War Three, doesn't you know nothing nothing you did it was any worse than that. So <laughs> that's the <laughs> ultimate in terms of that reference. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, uh, you know, like, and, and you know, you, you know, this is, we just had an article uh, a couple a week ago come out around this. It, it was great, right? Because I got a chance to talk a little bit about hacking into the school grading system when I was a kid. And then, you know, getting over it, persevering through, and then end up starting, uh, you know, after being at, at these big companies for a while, starting Dope Security. But the story there is really a story, um, you know, with everyone in the company. And that's what binds us all together, is building something that we really, really, really care about. And I can't tell you yeah. how many times, like, you know, some of our team members were on the chopping block. Why were we on the chopping block? It's because we weren't working on the mainstream products. Didn't mean we were bad yeah. engineers, because some product manager decided at some state that, hey, this is a great idea. Let's go in and have 10 people work on something that's not going to actually drive value for the company. Yeah. And I think that is something that we will change. And you can see it in the product yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, obviously you've kind of had that background with, with, with Semantic and Forcepoint, and, and obviously that's where kind of Dope have come into the market around the kind of secure web web gateway. What is it particularly you think that kind of, you know, needed, well, not necessarily needed fixing, but you could see an opportunity for improvement and differentiation and a, and a new approach? Yeah, so I mean, I first, like, time I ever saw this um, kind of dis this level of disruption was uh, actually, you know, when you know, Silence and CrowdStrike and everything disrupted the endpoint market, right? Yeah. And, you know, that, that was a big learning experience for me. And when I was thinking, well, if I ever did anything, it would definitely have to be dope, but it has to be yeah. mainstream. And, yeah. you know, when the Blue Code acquisition happened, it was like kind of interesting, like the hypothesis started to form. It's like, they always have problems with capacity at data centers. And everyone always kind of threw out the idea, oh, this, this was done on the endpoint, we wouldn't have any of these problems. So it's not like insanely novel. But when I was at Forest Point, I saw this firsthand, 
how bad because I had to deal with because I, I was in, in, in product management, right? So you see these problems all the time. And finally, uh, on May, you know, May 4th, founded Dope Security uh, with the blessings of all my old bosses and things like that. And we all worked to, like, I, I we were able to go in and actually start something different. And if you think about it, like, all these technologies work a very particular way. Is that you take your internet connection, you reroute it to a data center, and then from there it goes to its destination. Which if you think about it, Neil, it's like you taking a flight from Heathrow and then going to Germany and then going to Ireland after that. Like, why yeah. would you do that? And the same thing exactly happens every day with people's internet connection. And I think kind of it, it, when we talk about cybersecurity, especially from a, a user experience, and I know that's kind of a key part of kind of what, what you guys focus on, uh, it's difficult with cybersecurity because a lot of what we talk about from a user experience we don't see. In terms of DLP, we only see if it stops us. If it's encryption, yeah. nobody really understands encryption. It's just some kind of magic in the back end that, that, that kind of works and protects us. And if we get hit by ransomware, all of a sudden we can't get in. I suppose that from a, a web gateway perspective, that that connection to the internet is one of the things that's most visible from a user perspective in terms of it works or if it doesn't work it goes really slowly and then it affects our productivity and everybody gets angry and frustrated because cybersecurity is stopping us doing our job so from a user experience it's it's one of the the parts of cyber that is actually most obvious and most kind of the, the where we engage with the user most you got it right and there's two users in the world one is the admin themselves and the other one is the actual end user and like I want to also focus on that admin use case because going in and you know like configuring 75 menu options you know it's not possible yeah. anymore and that's the way the world should work like there's ways of making things smarter yeah. and there's ways of making your life easier and that is what we want to do here at least at, uh, at Dope is to make uh, everyone's experience better. You shouldn't yeah. have an end user outage. You shouldn't have to have a PhD in a product to get it configured. And you know, this is what I would say to everyone that you know is, uh, you know, looks at E92 and why we chose E92. It's like, hey, we want to make a huge dent here. We want to be a mainstream business. We want to be here for a decade to come. I always tell people this is year two of a ten-year journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a technology perspective, I think that's one of the things that we've we've all learned. I mean, for, for those of us that especially grew up with kind of 80s technology and you kind of needed that that rocket science degree to work out how to use a VHS sometimes in terms of, you know, especially I remember like especially like Sony technology, incredibly complicated. Whereas now kind of organizations like Apple have changed the, changed the game in terms of you can make technology simple and easy accessible. And I think that's that's certainly where a lot of kind of corporate technology can learn from consumer tech in terms of that ease and simplicity of use. It doesn't need to be hard. Yeah, and to be honest with you, this area of cybersecurity is the worst one. It just was never <laughs> redone. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, if you're using like a Zscale, Symantec, Forcepoint, uh, Deadscope, you know, all these companies, like, they all have the same problem. It's their user experience. Yeah. And, uh, and it comes down to doing something in a few clicks. Like, I'll give you the simplest example, right? When you change a policy in our product, it almost instantly takes effect on your laptop. Yep. And it blows everyone's mind. But then I always ask them, like, hey, if I send you an iMessage or a WhatsApp, how long does it take you to get that message? It's like a second, right? And the same thing is here, is that if you take a policy update, you should almost immediately get 
that information on your end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. And it's interesting you kind of... You, it, it's nice you clearly kind of have that vision as well. It's, as you say, it's not a, you know, this is not a kind of... This is not the destination, it's the journey. Kind of, you know, how else do you see those, you know, where else can you see those improvements and that development? You know, kind of what else is in that vision over the next the next kind of few years from a, from a product perspective, at least? So I think, like, part two of all this this stuff is, is part one was Secure Web Gateway, part yeah. two is CASB, and part three is private access. So it's like yeah. a trilogy, right? It's like a Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> a new yeah, switch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> CASB strikes back, and then return yeah. of the private access. Um, and I think that when it comes to CASB, uh, we call it CASB Neural. So it's not going to come until the end of the year, but the idea is to use data comprehension rather than a set of regexes, right? So like today, most technologies, they go in and they just have a 16-digit card number is a 16-digit number. It's not very effective. The world is much better today. You know, you can understand documents and summarize them in, you know, one API call. So let's use that to our advantage to actually give customer. And we show people this roadmap and user experience. And they love it. Why? Because it's a few clicks. That's it. And you get your CASB up and running, no problem. Yeah. And, and, and has the, the, the changes, I suppose, that kind of obviously, you know, kind of, you know, it, it's so easy, to, but it's kind of inevitable in talking about kind of pre-COVID and post-COVID. But that kind of post-COVID explosion, distributed workforces, people being from home, kind of, you know, mobile, any device. Is that is that one of the things that's kind of given you, in a way, a bit of a license for dope in terms of being in the right place at the right time to be, kind of make this kind of fundamental change in terms of how to do things? Yeah, I mean, I think that if we had come out with this technology, like, just a few months after COVID, then we would have gotten like a significant because there was this huge move to making sure that a lot of devices are protected. But yeah. like, you know, timing doesn't always have to be, you know, completely perfect. It's, it's also, we have a very clear differentiation against any of our competitors. They are stopover. We are fly direct. It's yeah. very simple and depends on what you want to do. Right. And I cannot tell you, like we used to find that 66% of the time you'd be rerouted the wrong pop, right, with these products. And it's slower, it doesn't support HTTP2, it's like, I mean, imagine the fact that like there is a data center for most of these proxies in Heathrow near, you know, London, but like that means if you're in Ireland, all your traffic is always going through Heathrow, that makes no sense. Yep. Why would you do that? Um, and of course, it's like, if people like 75 menu options with three different consoles, I mean, fair enough, but it could probably be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and wh where do you see you guys kind of fitting in terms of, you know, kind of the, some of those kind of wider themes and, and trends where people talk about in, in cybersecurity around kind of things like kind of zero trust and that, you know, that move to kind of least privilege and, you know, kind of really kind of trying to take a and again that that's kind of looking at taking a reset as to how we've traditionally kind of looked at cybersecurity and and and, and what we let users do and not do yeah so I, I these frameworks i usually say try to i i personally try to look at them as guiding principles rather than yep. like entire products that have to be created like to be fair when we say private access it is another word for it, it's called zero trust network access yep. essentially a fancy way of saying that hey you can access the following urls and those URLs, basically the servers are, the, 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 are behind a firewall. They're not publicly accessible to the world. So now yeah. rather than you having access to everything inside of a network with a VPN, you're only accessing a set of resources. 
So yes, absolutely, we are 100% with those things, but it's all about making it easier, right? A large part of zero trust is also about group-based policies, right? Really, it's like, hey, Neil and Kunal have access to this resource, but everyone else in the company doesn't. And yep. what you'll notice, Neil, is that in our product, it's actually a few minutes to get up and running like that. To yep. enable single sign-in is a checkbox, you know? You just check the box, hit save. To import your users, you take a link, you copy it in, you authorize the import from 365 or Google. So within minutes, you can have a zero trust policy for accessing the web. Very cool. Yep. Very different. Very yeah, different. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and how do you kind of, you know, kind of view in terms of it, it kind of the, the kind of, I, I suppose, the conceptual view in terms of how organizations kind of approach cybersecurity and, you know, in terms of like, you know, there's always that kind of, there seems to be a competing viewpoint from within the industry as to whether, whether you, we still need to have a proactive cybersecurity, we still need to defend, or we need to work on the basis of, you know, organizations are going to get compromised. The bad guys are always going to be that one step ahead. And we need to work on the basis of kind of worst case scenario and, and, and being able to understand what's going on on kind of topics like, you know, where do you, where do you, where do you sit in terms of, of the site, you know, the, the industry and in terms of the, the approach that we need to take to defense? Well, I think first and foremost, people need to spend less time, you know, figuring out how some of these things work. I mean, the reality is that these are all tools, right? Our product, any other product out there, they're a tool. And, you know, whether you use it or not depends on your use cases and whether it makes sense for your organization. But the most important thing that, like, I personally can do is push towards ease of use and experience. Yeah. Because that means that you can have more people focused on those wider range of problems rather than them spending their entire day managing some tool. Yeah. Oh, like for me, that call, call creates efficiency in the organization, right? And I think that's what we see from at least some of the newer players and, and we're starting to see a shift. Um, and I want to also make sure that we're leading that shift into to, to focus on UX. Yeah, and hopefully that means that, you know, one of the things we obviously talk about in the industry as well is around that skills gap. And, you know, part of that is because people are inefficient and partly because maybe maybe it's not a kind of attractive enough. I suppose, is that a kind of another kind of benefit that, that organizations can, can potentially realize of just getting more people involved and getting people involved from, from other areas rather than needing to obsess about kind of past experience and you've already, already have got to do a whole bunch of stuff before you get into it? Well, let's take an example, right? Like we had a customer, they have a couple thousand devices and, you know, like CISO was like, well, I want to use this technology. It's the easiest one that's out there. And he proved it, right? Because he gave the product ownership to an engineer that was a fresh grad from college who hadn't had that much cybersecurity experience. It's one yeah. person managing the product for a couple thousand people, but they all have access to it. They all go in there and dial it in and whatnot. And they log in, but it's nice, right? It's way easier. Um, than, than than other things out there. So, yeah, I suppose that is that kind of exciting and kind of obviously kind of as you say, still a small organization. Kind of is, is that important? You still enjoy kind of getting involved with you know individual customers on that basis and, and actually seeing seeing this happen, seeing it work, seeing how people kind of really get hands on with the product. Yeah, we have a couple of tools internally like uh, that help us to accomplish that, right? Because again, all of this was learning, right? It's so much of it is learning from the past. And if you think about uh, like at these companies, like, I couldn't even tell you how many endpoints we had at these companies. Yeah. Today, I can tell you exactly how many, right? Um, you know, if somebody logs in and signs up for the product, uh, 
we get a notification, a Slack notification about it. And then from there, we can yeah. go in and see if they've installed an endpoint, did they import their users, all those checkbox items, they form into a, like a utilization score. And so you start thinking, it's like, that is a product we have to basically internally create so that we could see what is the admin doing. That is how we make our experience so much better. Because if we have a customer who faces an issue in the console, we know. And we can yeah. take that and fix it and then proactively tell them, by the way, this is fixed. And quite nice, it's kind of also dialed into the sales process as well at the same time in terms of in terms of that, that customer journey, in terms of being able to really, you know, kind of hand you know, kind of handhold, get involved and really understanding what organizations are, are looking to do and how they're using it. I told you this earlier, right, Neil, it's like I, I love frameworks to learn from, not necessarily to just say, Oh, we're doing this, right? Oh, we're zero trusty. But there's another framework I like to think of it's called product led growth, PLG. Um, and PLG, I mean, a fancy way of saying it's like, Hey, your customer should be able to like basically try out your product. <laughs> That's really it. And yeah. so, um, we've, we've really subscribed to that, right? You can go to our website and just try out the product and install the endpoint. It'll take you a few minutes and that convinces people on its own. You know, we don't have to have that sales heavy process where we have five, six meetings before someone can actually try a product out. In fact, we have customers that go in and just do that, you know? And a lot of time they're actually CISOs, to be honest with you. <laughs> they just like go in like, okay, this looks good. Let's give it a try. Okay, then they'll pass it on to their team and then their team will go in and do it. And I think like, I'm so happy about that, right? And that is progress, right? That's huge progress. But I don't like overbloat it and say that like this is something completely novel and new. I mean, there's a lot of things that used to do this. Like if you go to Slack and you sign up and it's like easy. But yeah. cybersecurity shouldn't be any different. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice if CISOs are still getting their hands dirty and, you know, kind of... I know several, honestly, I know several, there's that, and I find it very inspiring, honestly, yeah, you know, because yeah. I think that, I think that everyone should have the opportunity to go and use something, and it's a two-way street, right? It's not necessarily yeah. that, like, the CISO is taking a time, or somebody is taking a time to go in and learn something, it's also you should be open to it as well, and I can tell you, out of every product I've worked on, I've worked on a couple that are not easy for anybody to get access to and start to use. Yeah. Um, so it is a two-way street and um, you know, it's one of the reasons why we pride ourselves. Like talk to any of our salespeople, any of our team members, any of our marketing people, everyone has used and can use and demo you the product. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Well, I feel like almost that's a personal challenge. Um, I'm gonna have to have a look at the product. I, 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 we'll see what our tech team say when I start. Have, if if I start having a look at it, I was slightly terrified if marketing get too involved on these. Well, look, I can give you a promise. Don't promise. Kunal's promise. Our signature on it is that you're gonna uh, be able to use it on your own. You're gonna be able to get up and running, and you can get up and running in a few minutes. Um, but my signature or our signature as a company on it is that we hope you love it, and we think you will. There we go. Well, I'm definitely going to absolutely give give that a go. But it, it, it's nice. I like that kind of over kind of overarching philosophy around that kind of frictionless user experience goes from both in terms of, you know, what you're trying to do in terms of the fly direct and, and, and you know, just without without putting barriers in place. And it's the same thing in terms of that kind of that onboarding Yeah. in terms of kind of scaling out and, and, and where you see the kind of company kind of going. Obviously, you've got, you know, had some kind of good funding from some, you know, some, you know, kind of little company I've heard of called Google. Uh, that's obviously got got involved with you guys. Going to you know where do you, how do you how do you see the ambition for what you guys are doing and the, and the potential for scaling out? So I was always in this world of private equity, right? Meaning yeah. like 
both companies, Semantic Forge, we, we were looked on with a very big magnifying lens. Yeah. And so yeah. one thing I learned is, you know, slow and steady, making sure that you are actually deriving or giving the value, you know, don't just focus on growth. Don't just focus on hundreds of people. That should not be the metric. And the amount of people has no bearing on how good the product is. And so yeah. I really, 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 uh, um, you know, you'll see if I come back and we chat again in a year, we're probably gonna have the same amount of people in the company, to be honest with you. I don't think yeah. that's gonna change. Why? Because we don't need that. What we need is we need to be really particular and tuned into the customers and do more with less. And I can tell you honestly, like our team size, it's not any smaller or bigger than a lot of big, big, big products that a lot of people out there use. But there's ways in which we've optimized ourselves, right? In some companies, you'd have a couple of DevOps engineers that would go in and do this. We utilize CI/CD automated pipelines like GitHub Actions or a Circle CI, etc., so that when we push a change, it takes care of the deployment process. I mean, I'll have you know, Neil, like when we make a change to our endpoint, a second a pull request is raised, it actually goes through a set of like six QA tests, three Mac, three Windows, as a build acceptance. So before we even like, it's completely automated. So yeah. things like that like obviate the need to have as many people and instead so you have specialization um, and very smart people that are working on the problems. I'm like proud yeah. to say like you want to make a front end change tomorrow, a few minutes it'll get deployed to live to production, right? That did not yeah. happen at Semantic or Forcepoint. That doesn't happen to most cybersecurity companies. Yeah, and that's exciting because I, th I suppose from a team perspective as well, you can you can, you can do something, you can see the benefit of it straight away. You kind of you know that that kind of that that hit and that that responsiveness that you kind of build in yourself. I think it's probably probably really invigorating and exciting because you you can you can see it happening as you go. Yeah, I, and you know as we've been there, like we're, we're, we're like I said earlier, it's like I always look at it as like, hey, it's year two of a ten year journey, right? So like only twenty percent of the way there. But what I can tell you is that it's been actually super amazing working on something like this because we're all bound together by that one thing and that's like when we put our signature on something it should look and feel dope right and yeah. so when we're building this stuff um you know whether you're looking at the marketing materials the website the videos everything it just kind of comes together in this nice little store we have like um pretty cool stuff coming out on a product side but also come out like a lot of stuff on the marketing side too that are kind of interesting yeah. and fun, right? So, um, yeah. you know, so excited to work with you and the team over there in UK to, and, and, and especially when I want to say thank you, right? Because uh, for giving us the opportunity, uh, your team tried out the product. Obviously, they did test it, um, and you will too. Uh, but yeah. uh, and I think you'll you'll love it because it's just it's it's so much different and easier to use than anything else out there. Yeah, no, that's what we that's what we absolutely want. Being able to be disruptive and take an exciting story as a, as a marketer, that's that's what always excites me. Being able to go and get passionate about this stuff and talk about something that's going to go out there and you know you want to try and change the world. That's you know it's if you're just doing the same thing, that's that you, you, that's not going to get you up excited in the morning. Being able to talk about something that really kind of you know makes a difference um, and gets people to sit up and notice. You can't ask for anything more than that. Exactly, and like I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully, we're able to show the world, hey, it's something different, something uh, easier to use, something more design oriented, and uh, uh, but most importantly, it allows more and more companies to use and consume these kinds of products yeah. too, right? Not everybody yeah. is a ten thousand person organization with a dedicated cybersecurity team or fifty thousand person organization, like you know, they don't have that capability. But maybe if we make our products easier to use, they will. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you, I just want to touch on as well. You kind of talk about that kind of the ten year ten year journey. What does it look like um, at the end of that that ten year? point which you know and who knows where it goes yeah, and then, you, then you go in and then you talk to the stock exchange folks and uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> i you know i i it, it would be uh it would be amazing for somebody to to be able to say hey yeah i have a, a dope stock <laughs> that would make yeah. me feel really fun and happy um but you know like i i think like you know i i've always been building we always try to build things that last right like when you have a product when you have the engineering process um, you know, when you have even the logo and trademarks, like we want people to see something and then know that it's here to stay. Um, yep. you know, like didn't build this company to get acquired in a year, you know, it's not very fun for me. In fact, I would consider it my utmost failure to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm really, really, really excited, uh, you know, for, for people to, to try out what we've, you know, built because it's, it's, it's all based on the learnings. Um, and questions and comments and conversations that we've had for customers that are pretty much all your customers, right? At E92. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And these are yeah, the things exactly. that people complained about, right? Things as crazy as, oh, the language is wrong because it's going through the wrong data center to, hey, like, why do I have to have 17 meetings with your company and have 10 people in the room from your company before I get access to product, you know? Um, and we all have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder that we're just trying to, like, you know, we, at some point, all of us, everyone in the company, we just wanted to do better. And that's why we're all here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, it's been absolutely kind of a brilliant talking to you. One thing I always like to kind of end, uh, kind of get to the, the end and ask our, ask our guests, in terms of somebody listening, in terms of, I, I kind of might guess the answer, in terms of people listening, what, what would be the one thing that they'd look to do to reevaluate how they approach cybersecurity? And obviously, you know, I'd say, you know, download dope and give it a go. But kind of, you know, in terms of a general approach, in terms of how people can kind of take a bit of a fresh look on, you know, how they're how they're protecting their network generally, you know, kind of what would you, based on your experience, you know, what can people do a little bit differently to try and, you know, do have a bit of a shift in terms of not just doing, you know, taking the same approach that we always have done? Well, I mean, of course, as a practitioner, I always, uh, I, I, I am not, in that regular day-to-day -day position. But I would say like, there are a lot of technologies that exist outside of the mainstream world, right? Um, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a few of those, right? Like, uh, even though we are going into this direction, like, I mean, a good example I would say is like SOC 2 automation th technologies and stuff like that, like a Drata or a Vanta or whatnot. I mean, these are kind of cool technologies, right? And these are the types of things that maybe not everyone has seen yet, but like, you know, being in touch with those stuff, I would say, most importantly, like you'd be surprised at how many of the CISOs I know they they're actually like directly linked in with the venture capitalists as well. And so yeah. something I tell some of these uh, CISOs and whatnot, it's like you know you should you should get linked up with them, man, because it's you get like a fresh line of what's new and hot and off the yeah. press, right? Um, so those would probably be what things I would say honestly is like. I mean, getting in touch with these people is not, I mean, hey, if you want to get in touch with anyone, just call me. I'm happy. I'm not very stingy with my, uh, with my, with anyone I know. So I'd be happy to, 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 to introduce you, you know? And I think it makes a big difference because you get to know and see the latest and greatest. Um, like, you know, a couple of I mentioned, and there's also things like a, a conductor one, for example, with the identity orchestration and, 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 and claims management and stuff like that. It's kind of nice, right? I mean, but these technologies that exist out there, um, and again, of course, there's a dope security, which is different than a Zscaler and Symantec or Force yep. Finder Netscope. But like these things, they are different. 
and they're super new and super interesting, but even if they're not right for you, it's also still good to learn about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much, and looking forward to meeting you in person after you've installed yeah. the dope endpoint on your laptop. Abs uh, yeah, absolutely, and I think that we can safely say, as well as kind of getting uh, getting the dope uh, name and brand out there, we're definitely going to see a lot more of those jackets out in the channel as well. Looking forward to it, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the channel, as well as getting some exciting tech, I think it could definitely do with a bit of a fashion upgrade. Uh, and I'm definitely talking about myself in that respect. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, you get your first deal, Neil. You know, first deal will get you a jacket, no problem. <laughs> right, there we go. And, and anyone listening, you can help me out on that one, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you.